Our scripture reading this morning will be Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. If you're visiting with us or you'd like to follow along in the Bible placed in the pew in front of you, that can be found on page 1041, Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. And also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to your own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So the husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Ten million dollars. What would you be willing to do for $10 million? In their book, The Day America Told the Truth, James Patterson and Peter Kim revealed some of these statistics about people that we live with and among in our nation. 25% of those people said, I'd be willing to abandon my entire family for $10 million. 25% of those people said, I'd be willing to leave my church family for $10 million. Not very good news, David. 23% said they'd be willing to become a prostitute for a week or more. 16% of people who surveyed said they'd be willing to give up their American citizenship for $10 million. Shockingly, 10% said they would be willing to withhold testimony that would allow a murderer to go free. 7% said, I'd kill a stranger for $10 million. And perhaps saddest of all, 3% said, I would put my children up for adoption for $10 million. I'd like to ask you this morning to forget about the cash and think with me, what would you be willing to do, not for $10 million, what would you be willing to do to save your family and to go to heaven with them? Listen to these proverbs. The Chinese wrote these words. It's harder to lead a family than to rule a nation. The Kenyans wrote this proverb, There are few whole eggs in a broken nest. 
And again, the Chinese wrote this at the same time that some of the biblical writers were writing over 3,000 years ago. When father is father, and mother is mother, and brother is brother, and sister is sister, all is well in heaven and on the earth. And may I suggest to you this morning that when any of these roles are reversed, when father becomes brother, or brother becomes father, and mother becomes sister, or sister has to take the role of mother, that all will not be well in heaven and on the earth. Our God and Father speaks these words to us in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they who labor and build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain for you to rise up early or to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children, they are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. When I talked with Greg Coles many weeks ago, he asked me to speak on applying God's or applying God to the family equation. I noticed on your website that one of the, slogo, uh, one of the slogans you had, the, the logos read across the screen, with God, families can. May I suggest to you this morning that without God, the families can't. And in my counseling practice in, just outside of Jackson, Tennessee, I have literally hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people over the last 25 years that have filtered through my office. And I'm here to tell you that one of the things I try to impress upon people is that life cannot be lived to its fullest without God. Your marriage is hurting today if it's hurting because of the lack of applying God to your home. Your, your personal life is hurting today, if it's hurting, because of the lack of applying God to the family. And sometimes it's so hard for us to see it, and, and we hear preachers talk about it, or ministers, or counselors, or, or our friends, and, and, I, and I've often heard people say in the church, they say, I look around and I see so many happy couples, and I don't know about you, but we, we did a church plant where I'm at. It's a brand new church. It's only three and a half years old. We started with about 53 people, and we have quadrupled in three years to, to 240. And we've done it off of hurting people. Because at our church, we call ourselves the bad news bears, <laughs> We call ourselves the ragtag team. And, and, and by the scores, people are beginning to come who are hurting. And one of the things even those hurting people will say as they sit in our services, I look around and I see so many 
happy couples and happy families. And mine's not. And I laugh and I say, if you only knew how many of these people I had in counseling, you'd be amazed. There are a few whole eggs in a broken nest. Since the fall, we are all broken. You can act as if you're whole and you can try to appear to be whole, but it seems like life is so much simpler to live in truth and honesty that each of us has been broken. We've all fallen. And so as we think about applying God to to the family equation, here's what I'd like to do this morning in the the very few minutes we have, and, and they didn't ask me to do a revival service, so... That's kind of tough for me to speak in 30 minutes. Uh, Two weeks ago, our worship service was an hour and 45 minutes. That doesn't include class. So this is hard for me, Trey. If you want me to come back and do a revival service or a family seminar where I can take a little bit more time, I'd love to do that because this is hard for me. So here we go. Building blocks for you and your family. Here they are. Number one, building block number one for you. We're going to build a a foundation to put God into that home and apply God to the family. We're going to need some building blocks. Here's number one. Marriage starts by having consideration for one another. And in uh, Dana and I, my wife wife and I, seminars, um, when we talk to young couples, this is a a portion we take a lot of time on. So uh, if you're married, great. If you're uh, not married, great. If you hope to just one day get a date, this, this applies to you, okay? So remember that, okay? You don't have to just be married to hear this. Ephesians 5.21 is a passage I hope David, when he preached on marriage, talks about here. And this is the first building block. Marriage starts with consideration for one another. So if you're not married, think about this. Watch your prospective spouse, how they treat their parents, how they operate in their home, because it'll be much like that in your home. But that, that idea in he, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, listen to what the Holy Spirit tells us. Submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ or reverence for Christ. Submit yourselves one to another In the fear of God, the King James Version says. Now, oftentimes, husbands, and we we get a kick out of this sometimes, they will poke wives about verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. And and it it is humorous in a way, but, but it's sad in another way because why would anybody be poking anybody who can poke you back? By saying, you're supposed to submit to me too, buster. Or whatever your pet name for your husband is. You see, spirit-controlled believers, they submit to one another. And I'll tell you what, when you find a person who has trouble with authority, they will be troublesome members in the church. Because when the elders come, who have the authority of God, the headship of Christ, they'll go, hey, you don't, tell, don't, don't try to tell me what to do. You will find those same people that will have trouble in their marriages. Because they're not very good at authority in the whole thing of the headship of Christ. And when we don't get that, and we don't apply that, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. 
Because if you can't submit to God and you can't submit to Jesus Christ, how are you going to submit to your wives, husband? We need to talk about that more in the church. It's all about the kind of attitude that the husband and the wife have towards one another. You know, I've long been concerned in, in churches of Christ, and it's, it's, it's in every religious group, how we like to pick and we like to choose verses like so many of our religious friends. We like to highlight Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and it is a great verse to highlight because it's just as as Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. And as Acts chapter 2, verse 38 is a command, so is Philippians chapter 2 in verse 3. And I wonder if we take Acts chapter 2, verse 38 as seriously as we take Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. If we applied that one verse to the family, it would transform your family before you walked out of this auditorium. It would transform you as an individual. If you looked out for other people more than you did yourselves. Each of us, verse 4 said, should not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude, now listen to this, this is every single individual of any gender, male and female. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. My friends, I maintain to you this morning, that is not a suggestion. That is a command. Verse 6, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. (laughs) Y'all need a little carpenter work up here. I'm trying to start revival and it's sinking on me. Made himself of nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Now let's review building block number one. Marriage begins with consideration of each other. So, guess what? In your home, if you're the female, you do this. If you're the male, you do the exact same thing. You look at the other person and you say, I am going to consider you better than I do myself. Now, if I were to take some of the hobbies of some of the men in here and collectively gather up that cash and hand it to the woman, and say, spend it on what you want to. I'm stirring some stuff up here this morning, and I know it. But I'm leaving town this afternoon. So, y'all deal with it when I'm gone. The hobbies that men spend, the money they spend, if I were to take it and give it to the wife, what would, what would she think? What would she do? You know what most mothers will do? They'll go get something for the kids. And right there in our home, gentlemen, is one of the greatest reflections of Jesus Christ in our wives. And we miss it. Because we're too busy with our stuff. And even in the church, and I don't know what y'all do here at Mount Juliet. Frankly, I don't really care. It's up to you and your elders, not me. So y'all do what's best for y'all. But but frankly, and I haven't looked at the list, so I don't know. So I'm not throwing rocks at you. I'm just saying, sometimes even in the church, 
we get so busy with churchy stuff, we neglect our own families. You felt it, hadn't you? My average work week is probably somewhere between 60 and 80 hours per week. I know the feeling. That's why we've designed our church, the one where we worship, on purpose to help our families with very heavy, busy schedules that we all live. And it's very difficult. Building block number one starts by having consideration for the other. When I talk in the Bible class, and if you miss Bible class, you will miss the best lesson today. So, there. Uh, Building block number two. We've got to have permanence in marriage. Got a little illustration I'm going to show you here in just a minute, blue and yellow, okay? Get to that in just a second. Ephesians 5.31 says, For this reason shall a man leave his mother, his father and his mother, and, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Paul repeats what was spoken in the garden by the Holy Spirit through Moses. Now, interestingly enough, uh, my, he- my language studies at David Lipscomb were in, in Hebrew. And the word cleave that we've got in English comes from a Hebrew word, dabak. So debak is the word. So if you go back and you research debak, it means to put two things together with glue or weld, indicating that if you uncleave them, you undebak them, you will cause suffering not only to one, but to the other. So look at the implication. Yesterday, for our illustration purposes, I took two separate pieces of paper. I glued them together, Trey. I put debak to them. They are now cleaving one to another. When Jesus said, do not let man separate what God has joined together, he wasn't kidding. Because the word debak means... When you separate something God has put together, you separate it, there will be damage done when you try to separate one from the others. Welcome to the new American family. It's spiritual, people. It's in there for a reason. And God never says, I hate divorced people, but He says, I hate putting asunder. I hate the tearing that occurs to people's lives when they no longer cleave, but they leave. You can't separate a husband and a wife once put together without damage to both can't be done. Permanence in marriage. Permanence in marriage. A building block of God. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a, a wife 
finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. That word favor means acceptance or goodwill or approval. God approves you men. He accepts you when you find a good wife and you cling to her. Mark chapter 10 verse 9 says, Whatever God has put together or joined together, let no man tear it apart. There is a divine order to the family. And so whenever we do not apply God to the divine order, there's going to be separation, there's going to be ripping, there's going to be tearing, there's going to be heartache and heartbreak. And I don't know what you do for divorced people here, but let me... Let me encourage you. You may not have all the answers to every situation about divorce biblically, but I will tell you this. If you will throw your arms open to the tragic lives of divorced people, you will be able to build another building to house them. You'll have so many people here And you'll have an overabundance of money. You won't have to worry about what to build to house them. You'll be able to house them. Because they're hurting. And there's only been one one person that I've ever known of who said, I knew I was going to divorce before I walked down the aisle. Every other person that I've ever met said, I never imagined my life would be like it is today the day I walk that aisle to be married. Got a lot to say about this, got to move on. But girls and guys, let me remind you very quickly of a little phrase I try to pass on to my students and and, and the people who go to church with me. The altar does not alter much. So before you marry, remember that walking down an aisle to the altar doesn't alter much. There's not going to be a lot of changes after the I do's are said, unless hearts are open to the will of Almighty God. Building block number four, children, training of children. Notice with me Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. And fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. In my opinion, and it is my opinion, I'm not speaking to you personally unless the shoe fits. And if it does, please put it on and wear it ever how uncomfortable it may be. Fathers have abdicated this role in our society, and especially in the church. Fathers are not prevailing in the job and the ministry God gave us to do in the nurture and the admonishment of the children. Nurture means when you stick a plant in the ground, before you put the plant in the ground, you prepare the soil and you make sure the soil is so good that when you put the plant in, there's no way it can't grow. Fathers, you've been given that ministry to nurture your children. How are you doing? And I'm not throwing rocks at you again. I'm trying to encourage us to stand in the mirror of the Holy Spirit and look and see, what do I see here? Fathers pass the buck and they go, well, my wife is just so much better at that. That's like passing baptism to your wife and saying, I'm going to let her take care of it for the whole family. She can be baptized. It covers me and the kids. You know better than that and so do I. 
You can't take what God has handed you and given to your wife and think that your home is ordered by God's design. It's not. It's not. It's not. And so take what God has given you, men, and nurture children. You go, it's kind of hard for me. I had a woman in my office not long ago with tears streaming down her face, and I've tried to help them reorder their family and, and the one thing, it's so sad, the one thing that she asked for from her husband, who is really a hard-nosed guy, is would you please sit in the floor with the children and play with their toys with them, just so I can know you're trying to connect with them with tears streaming down her face. All she wanted from her husband was to sit in the floor and play with the children because he's too busy with his hobbies and his job and all his extracurricular activities, and he shoved the buck his wife's way and said, you do it and you handle everything and I'll, it'll be good and I'll bring home the check and, and, and well, I'll be good. And God didn't give that role to his wife, and that's one reason she's so miserable. She's, she's got a job that God gave to her husband, and he's passed the buck to her. Training of children. Fathers, nurture them, instruct them, train them. So what's a mother supposed to do with the children? Isn't it interesting how little is said in Scripture about what a mother is supposed to do with children? You know one reason I'm convinced the Holy Spirit didn't talk about that much? Because you ladies were fantastically divined and uh, designed, you were fantastically designed by God to do things so naturally that when you land on the planet, and I'd love to come back and talk about the male and female brain and the physiology of it, to talk to you about how God has designed our very brains and wired them in the womb to be different. I've got to be careful because I love that subject and that's not what I was invited here to talk about, but it's, you, you landed here very differently than us, and you do things naturally. And you know what? The Holy Spirit doesn't give reminders to people about things they need no reminding of. Mothers don't have to be told to love your children and instruct them and nurture them and be loving and kind and, and don't do things to make them angry. No, it's the men, full of testosterone, which makes our brains actually smaller, Look up the research, it's there. There's a reason why we're dense. Our brains are dense. We have more gray matter than you women do. You have more white matter than we have. We're just dense on purpose. Guys, I thought y'all would be relieved to know that, okay? Y'all breathe, it'll be okay. I'm not going to bite you, okay? Knowing that we're that way, the Holy Spirit says... Listen up, please, guys. You instruct the children. You nurture the children. You bring them up in admonishment of the Lord because we're not very good at that. That's why God gives it to us to do. That's building block number four. Now, before I conclude with the idea of the children, <clears throat> fathers, I want you to pay particular attention to this. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way, and we've got this next phrase really mixed up in the church, I'm afraid, in the way he should go. 
And when he's old, he will not depart from it. If you break that down a little bit further in Hebrew, what it means is every, every kid lands on the planet as a little sapling, and they're already growing a certain way. Go to a nursery. Do all, does every tree, is every tree shaped the same way, growing the same way, and formed the same way? Well, you know from practical experience, no, it's not. So what I'm suggesting to you is that, and you know, I've got three daughters. One of them's been married almost two years in December. No, I'm not going to be a grandfather, and even when I am, I'm going to call it an adopted grandchild. I, I don't want to be a grandfather right now. Don't show me your pictures afterwards. I will not be convinced. I'm convinced I'm still a teenager. I'm planning to stay a teenager, and I will not accept grandchildren at this point in my life. People say, well, you're about there. And I go, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I just keep denying. I hope it'll go away. But my daughter is married. She's been married a couple of years now. I've got one that's a freshman uh, in, in, uh, at Harding, and I've got another one that's 15 going on 48 at home. So I, I've been overrun with girls in my life. And I'm telling you, just like you know, every single one of those kids is different. They landed on the planet very differently. Sarah can sing like a bird. Emily can sing like a bird. They've been in talent. They've gone all over the country. I mean, they're very different. And then Molly lands here on the planet, and she does like this when you say singing. They're just different. We didn't make them that way. They just landed here. Molly does not want to be in the public eye. She does not want to do things outwardly. She, she does not want to sing like that. She doesn't want to be in talent contests. She's very intellectual, much like her mother, thankfully. And um, she's just totally different than the others. So what am I supposed to do when it comes to training and instructing her? I'm supposed to train her in the ways that she should go. I've got a lot to say about this, hopefully, in the Bible class hour. But today we've got a new problem in our country. Uh, a book is out now called Nation of Wimps. An, an Israeli woman wrote it. She's a researcher. She's pretty, pretty cool in what she proposes here. And I'm going to give you, give you this right before we close this morning. This last building block. You've got to train your children. Are you letting your children live their lives? Or are you trying to live your lives through your kids? I didn't get this as a dad for a long time. I love agricultural stuff. We still live on a farm. I, I wanted my kids to be involved in ag, and, and I wanted my kids to do this. And, that. and they, they started out that way, and I started to wonder why they always looked so unhappy at these agricultural competitions because I was having a blast. And my wife, and fellas, let me tell you something. One of the reasons wives are so unhappy is you do not allow them enough real estate in your heart. We don't listen to our wives enough. My wife came and she said, Paul, the girls don't want to do agricultural things. They want to sing. They want to do pottery. They want to paint. They want to do everything that you don't want to do, Paul. That hurt me initially. And I backed up and I said, hey, I got I to gotta be the father that should train them in the way they should go. If they don't want to go this way, 
I don't need to try to lead them that way. And I, I backed off, thankfully, in time. I backed off, and I had a family meeting, and I said, girls, new rules. It's no longer what Daddy wants you to do as far as ag is concerned. From this day forward, you select what you want to do, and I will support you with money, with my time, with my energy. And I am here to tell you today that that changed my kids' lives because I got out of their way. It's amazing to me how long it takes all of us to grow up, myself included. My wife helped me. Husbands, let your wives help you. Gleason Archer said this Hebrew verb is similar to an Egyptian verb. In other words, to, to, to dedicate your children or to train them, dedicate them in a way that, that Egyptian verb means to give to the gods. And I know it's a pagan idea, but... In a spiritual sense, the Holy Spirit says, you're supposed to be giving your kids back to God. And it is my prayer and it is my hope that as parents, we will do exactly that. I have a letter from God that I'd like to read for you this morning as we close. Dear, you put your name here. Since the day you've married, I've been watching you and your family. Everything you've ever said or done, I've heard you say it, and I've watched you do it. Based on the way you treated your spouse and your children is going to determine whether you go to heaven or hell. Before I decide your final destiny... I'd like to replay your life on the big screen for everybody to see before I make your final judgment. If your life were to start playing in front of the world as a father or a mother or even a child in your family, what would it reveal? And would you go to heaven or, or would you not based on the way you're currently living your life before God. Something to think about. We've got an invitation song selected this morning. If you need us to pray for you this morning, if you need to be encouraged by the church in a special way, we're singing for you. If you need to come and put on Jesus Christ in baptism, we're also singing for you. Would you come right now while together we stand and sing?